Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as family, um, as the body of Christ, and to um, worship, to teach, to wrestle, to learn, to um, just become community and family with one another. We ask Jesus right now that we'd become aware of your presence in our midst, that you would give us eyes that see and ears that hear, um, every one of us, including myself. Um, Jesus, we pray that today we would glorify you through our time studying your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today in our Jesus Ethics series, we are going to discuss kingdom-minded earthly good. Now, that's the title of our message, and we're taking it from a phrase that's pretty popular around, that Christians are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. Have you guys heard that phrase before? That our heads are in the clouds, that we're not really paying attention to the things that are going on. We're just sort of all getting ready for that giant day when we get hoovered up into the sky, and we are just already, our minds are already there, and so we're not really any earthly good anymore. Has anyone ever met a Christian that in some ways or another, or it doesn't even have to be a Christian, it could be any person that's just so, you know, heavenly minded that they're not really any earthly good anymore. Anyone? Yeah? Excellent. You know, it's this kind of person where, you know, it's no one in your row, don't worry, where when you talk to them and you're saying, I'm having this really bad day, it's really tough, etc. They're like, you know what, just let go and let God. And you're like, okay, um, I'm just having a bad day and I really need to talk to you about how, you know, that whole let go and let God thing's great, but I, I need to, you know, you know, and they just give you the Christian platitudes like, you know, God's plan is perfect and it'll all work out. You know, it doesn't feel that way right now because something really bad is happening. And so that concept of being so earth, so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, that we don't have anything landing back here that gives us something to hold on to that tells us how to wake up in the morning and how to deal with the things that are going on in our lives. Um, This is sometimes a problem of people who follow Jesus. Um, In my own community, all of my friends have learned not to say those things to me because they know that, to quote Anne Lamott, I would run at them with a fork. Um, So, um, you know, at some point I need somebody that's going to get down with the real issues of life and honor the fact that sometimes things are difficult. And yes, God is in the storm, but also sometimes when the storm is there and God is in the storm, you can't always see him and it feels like he's on vacation. Anyone? Can I get a preach? White girl preach. Okay, good. All right. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So um, here we go. Okay. So I want to tell you, though, that when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's actually not talking about something heavenly or ethereal that we have to wait for someday. He actually is saying that if you are kingdom minded, you are going to be earthly good. So let's start to explore what Jesus means when he talks about the kingdom. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, by the way, those two things are the exact same thing. And I say this all the time, but I say it all the time because I've heard crazy sermons. I've heard people talk about how, well, the kingdom of heaven is really this, but the kingdom of God is really this. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are exactly the same thing. The phrasing kingdom of heaven was just a way to be careful about using God's name. And so for those people who were sensitive and they wouldn't want to misuse God's name, they would use heaven as sort of a euphemism, a synonym for God without getting close to taking the name of the Lord in vain. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. He's very sensitive to taking the name of the Lord in vain. But in the other Gospels, we see kingdom of God. They're not two different things. It's the same thing. It's just two different ways of saying it. Good. Got it. Great. Okay. Um, 
By the way, we like to equip everyone in our community to learn and study as you are interested. So if you're interested, much of what I'm getting today, um, not all, but much, is from a dear friend of mine. His name is David Biven. He is a scholar and um, wonderful Christian man living most of his life in Jerusalem and studying. And he's written a couple books, but this one, New Light on the Difficult Words of Jesus. He gives light as to the Hebraisms and the background for what we're going to talk about today, as well as a whole bunch of other things. And it's readable and fun and maybe something to go through with a group. Okay? So all of that information is there for you if you like it. Now let's go to the text. Matthew chapter 10, verses 6 through 8. Jesus says, Go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And we have a second passage we're going to be looking at, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And when you enter a house, first say shalom to this house. This is, by the way, a Hebraism. It's not something we would say in English. I wouldn't go, peace, house, what's up, right? But in Hebrew, shalom to the home is, is a normal Hebraic phrasing. Jesus is, I don't know if you guys knew this, Jewish. And spoke Hebrew. So it comes as a shock to some Christians, but I'm just letting you know in case you didn't know. So when you enter a house, first say shalom to this house. If someone who promotes shalom is there, your shalom will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Wait, 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 that's really interesting. Just stop there for a second. When they welcome you, the kingdom of God has come near to you as you're doing these things. And when they're not welcoming you, you still tell them that the kingdom of God is near. Hmm. Okay. So what does Jesus mean when he speaks of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? What is he talking about? And what does that mean? Well, a lot of us, when we think of kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, we think of things like this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of there's something really shiny. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but, you know, if I search kingdom of heaven, this is what I find. Um, definitely there's always pearly gates. And these people, yeah, they're so righteous. Can't you tell they're just going to get sucked right up to the sky? They're ready. Um, this is not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He actually has no concept of any of those cartoon images of any type in his head. Um, sometimes some of us think this when we talk about the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Here's a video. And everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of God coming. We've got children are dying. People are being trampled. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. Sorry, guys. Let's go. Okay, so the kingdom of 
God, the kingdom of heaven, does not equal the second coming. That's a totally separate event, and we can debate whether or not that song or any other song from the 60s, it's, that song's called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Um, it's really sad. I would, I would be so sad if I went to a church and it started with, there's no time to change your mind, you know, and just continue. I, I mean, that, okay. Amen. Let's go. It's good news, everybody. So I'm not denying that there's part of that message in Jesus, but that's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He is not talking about his second coming. That is a totally separate subject. Has anyone ever thought that those two were conflated, that you put those together, kingdom of God equals second coming? Anyone? I did. I used to do that too. Okay. So what does Jesus mean when he speaks of the kingdom of God? What is he talking about? Well, some of us think that it is something that's going to happen in the future, right? Some dis I put this in just for a friend that's here. So in some distant future, that that is when the kingdom of God will come, but it is not something that happens in the future. The kingdom of God is not future. It's present. As Jesus teaches it, this is exactly what he's saying, and I'm going to prove it to you. Y'all ready? Great. In both Greek and English, when we talk about something being near, when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, it's come near, and that's how it's translated in our English and translated from maybe the Hebrew as Jesus is speaking or Hebrew Aramaic into the Greek, um, it sounds like it's something that's not here yet, but it's close by. It's when you say to your friend that you're running late, but I'm near, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm close. I'm I'm coming. Um, I will be there at some point. And it's why we think that the kingdom of God is futuristic. So if you've thought that it's something that only talks about the future, don't worry. You have reason to think that way. That's how it sounds in English and in Greek. It sounds like it's something that's not here yet. But in Hebrew, the word for to come near is karov, and it means that I'm there. And I'm coming up to be with something. And I'm going to be at the same place where that thing or person is. In the Hebrew text, there's a time when King Ahab goes up to the altar and draws near to it. He's not like going, hey, altar, right? Like he's, he's there. He comes close. It's that Hebrew word. And it's also talked about in Deuteronomy when it says that a man came near to a woman and found that she was not a virgin. How close do you have to be to find out a woman's not a virgin? Okay, you're like there, all right? That's not like I, I was nearby and I kind of looked from a distance and saw like he, there, there, in there, right? All up there. Okay, so that is karov. It's there. And in Hebrew, when we talk about the kingdom of God is here, when we say, when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, he's using that concept of karov, not the English or the Greek concept that we're familiar with, where it's like, oh, it might be nearby. It could be here in five minutes. The bus is near. I'll wait 10 more minutes. It's not that. It's that it's here right now, present. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's talking about it in the present. Now, this should be confusing all of us right now because our entire lives, we've all been thinking, okay, Jesus describes the kingdom, and when he describes the kingdom, I'm picturing a place I will go someday when I die. Yeah? Anybody? Anybody confused? You're like, I'm not with her. I think she's crazy. Sit tight. We're going to get there. Don't you worry. Okay. What do we think of when we think of the kingdom? Well, oftentimes we think of kingdoms, right? If I say, hey, I went to a kingdom, you might think I went to the UK, or you might think about Lord of the Rings, or you might think about Settlers of Catan, yes? Or, thank you, thank you. Anyone want to play? I love to play. And you might really think about a magical kingdom, 
So, a, right, this is what we often think of when we think of kingdom. So we're not just having this issue with Jesus saying the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is near, and we're confused about the word near. We might be confused about the word kingdom. You ready? My 56 theologians that I introduced you guys to a few weeks ago, my fifth and sixth graders that I worked with some time ago, they taught me this wonderful thing. We said, hey, let's all divide up our kingdoms, and you guys build a kingdom, and you build a kingdom. Well, of course, because it's fifth, fifth and sixth graders, boys and girls. So boys on one side, girls on the other side. And we said, you can make up any rule you want for your kingdom. You're in charge. You're basically the king of this place, and you make up the rules. Now, keep in mind that they have pictures like this in their head for kingdom, right? Like all of us. So as they made up their rules, we gave them big butcher paper on each side. They wrote things like, um, everybody in my kingdom needs to love Star Wars. That was on the boys' side, right? On, on the girls' side, it was like, everyone needs to, I don't know what, I can't quite remember, like, have a puppy, be nice. You know, there was princesses. On the boys' side, it was no girls allowed. On the girls' side, it was no boys allowed, you know. And they had all of these very specific, like, if I could create any kingdom in the world, very specific rules. Now, after we did all of that, we said, you can do anything you want. We sat them back down and I said, tell me the truth. Do you want to live in that kingdom? And not one of them wanted to live in the kingdom they'd created. They recognized that it was not the best reflection of humanity, but the reflection of their selfish desires. And when we think of kingdom, we think of that. We often think of a place a specific place where things are ruled and in charge by maybe a particular set of rules and guidelines. And when we think of them, it's things like magic kingdom, or maybe it's the things that we wish that they were. Well, in the Sabbath prayer that's said in synagogues all around the world, every Shabbat, it says this, one of the prayers, your children saw your kingdom as you split the Red Sea before Moses. Wait, wait, what? How did we see a kingdom? We saw it when God's power was on display. When God's power was being demonstrated and was active. Matthew chapter 12, verses 27 through 29. Jesus says this, And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If you're seeing Jesus demonstrate the power of God and you're seeing him drive out demons, then the kingdom of God is here, right now, here. That's what Jesus says. It's here. Now, all of a sudden, were those people immediately who watched that happen and he's having this conversation, you know, suctioned up to some other place? No. They watched by the spirit and power of God, his power on display. And Jesus said, when you see that, point and say kingdom of God. When God parts the Red Sea for his people and delivers them out of Egypt, point and say, that's the kingdom of God. That is the experience of God's people when the king is at work, when the king is walking among them. So the kingdom of God is already here. It is already taking on the powers of the nation. It is already at work. Is that amazing? Does it feel like that? It doesn't feel like that always in my life. But this is what the Bible tells us. In Psalm 2, it starts this. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. 
And the rulers band together, united against the Lord and against the anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. This is Psalm 2. God says, yeah, I know. There are these other powers. There are these other rulers. There are these other things at work and at play. But I've installed my holy one on the mountain, and my kingdom is present. He doesn't say here, I will someday do this. It is presently ruling and reigning. And you should read the rest of Psalm 2 because it's amazing. It's so powerful that in Acts chapter 28, as Paul has been imprisoned for his testimony and witness to the person of Jesus, for two whole years he stays there in his own rented house and he welcomes anyone who comes to him. And right under Caesar's nose, Paul declares this. He proclaims the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. How can Paul do that? How can Paul stand there while he's being imprisoned by Caesar and right under Caesar's nose, right under the powers and the principalities of his day, say the kingdom of God is here? How is that possible? And isn't that different than everything we've ever thought before? That somehow the kingdom of God is only when things are nice and cushy and there's clouds and babies with harps. That somehow the kingdom of God is only something that will happen someday, long time away. Again, we're not talking about the second coming. That's totally different. We're talking about what Jesus means when he says kingdom of God is here. He means that the rule, the reign of God is happening right now in this moment. Don't you remember way back at the beginning of our little message today, what he told them to do in Luke chapter 10? Heal the sick, cast out the demons, cure those of leprosy. And if you do that, the kingdom is here. As Jesus walks around and empowers also his followers to walk around in the spirit of God, and they begin to feed the hungry, and they begin to give the thirsty something to drink, And they begin to clothe those that are naked. As they begin to pursue righteousness. As they begin to really work to see all of these things happening. Does that mean everything's perfect in Jesus' day? As Jesus walked around the earth, did everything work out great? No. He was killed. I don't know if you remember that part. But Rome had the power to crucify him and did so. And as he's crucified, what do they ask him? Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. Is this what kingdom looks like? Where there's still powers, where there's still other things that go? Yes. Jesus is saying that even in these situations, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God can still break through. That God is still on the throne. The king is still ruling. And as we live in a world like we live in right now, that is good news. When I can't see and spy out any hope on any news station or any newspaper, I can still trust that the Holy One is enthroned and he laughs and scoffs at the nations that conspire against him. 
because his Holy One is enthroned on Zion. Remember, again, in Luke, at the end, Luke, Luke chapter 10, the 72 return to Jesus after he's given those instructions, and they return with joy and say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What? The rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God broke through so powerfully in that moment through the spirit and power of God as those disciples went out and did these good works. Remember, we're going to be so kingdom minded that we will be earthly good. That as that earthly good happens, as a result of the power of God, as a result of the obedience and faithfulness of his followers, that's all of us today. The kingdom breaks through. Satan falls. We start to see everything start to switch. Yes, we live in a world of the promise of the kingdom and the not yet fulfillment of all being right. Amen? But Jesus is saying, do not be discouraged. Rome might be in charge. I might have my life taken from me. He does, right? Most of the disciples meet a bitter end. You will see all of this happen, but that does not mean that God is not on the throne. That does not mean that the kingdom of God can't break through. As you watch suffering, as you hear of unspeakable torture, as you hear of desperate times, and you think, has anybody, anyone on any Christian blog in the last couple weeks, oh, the Lord is coming Facebook, anyone? The Lord is coming. This is the worst it's ever been. It's never been this bad before. ISIS, they said they're going to put Allah Akbar on the White House. Oh my goodness, we're all in trouble. I mean, all of that. Listen, it was just as bad, if not worse, in Jesus' day. The barbaric actions that we see taking place, this is not new. It feels new to us because of where we live and our place of privilege, but it's not new. It's very, very old. And Jesus and his followers knew that. And still in that place where Herod could come and take out a whole bunch of people, where Caesar could come and take out a whole bunch of people, and they did, still in those moments, Jesus said, God is king and his kingdom is breaking through. And I see it right now. I can see it when you go out and you minister to the poor. And you take care of the sick. I can see it when you cast out those demons. And I see the kingdom of God starting to break through. This is good news. Because today when you go home and you think about the news again. Or tomorrow something else happens. You will say, but now is my job to spy out the kingdom. Where is it? And can I look for the place where it's breaking through? I guarantee you it is. He's on the throne. And the power of Rome cannot prevent the stone from moving. Rome set up guards after they crucified Jesus. They, they made sure that nobody could go into that tomb. They put a seal on it. But the very power of Rome, the power that thought that they could take out the kingdom, that they could take out the king by crucifixion, a horrible, horrible death, that power could not keep the stone from being moved. That power could not stop resurrected life. That power could not stop the full enthronement of Christ on his throne, now seated at the right hand of the Father. That power of Rome couldn't stop it. Not only that, they ended up ushering it in 
Because God's that kind of God where he says, I see you conspiring. I see you Ebola. I see you HIV. I see you cancer. I see you ISIS. I see you Boko Haram. I see you American foreign policy. I see you. That cannot stop the stone from being moved. God scoffs when he sees the nations conspire against him. Psalm 2. That doesn't stop the kingdom from coming. Brothers and sisters, we need not fear. We need not fear. He is on the throne. And he has given us the commission and the job to start to bring more of his kingdom here on earth. And as we watch the news and as we fear for our loved ones and as we wonder what kind of world our kids will have and as we watch the rising ocean levels and as we wonder if all of a sudden Tahoe will become oceanfront property, as we curiously wonder and worry about all of these things, do not fear, take heart, be at good work of the kingdom. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're, don't, that you're no earthly good. Let us be kingdom minded so that we are very earthly good. We are so good for this place. So that I can sit back and say, yes, I see you. Gaza and Hamas, I see you. But this week, I'm going to choose to bring more of this kingdom here on earth. So this week, I'm going to the poor. And this week, I'm going to pray. And this week, I'm going to find a way to bring some good here. Because the truth is, and this is N.T. Wright's quote in a fantastic book you should read called How God Became King. It's so good and readable. Not all of his books are entirely easily read. This one is great. He says this, Jesus is no mere tourist attraction for pilgrims to come and gawk at. Jesus is to be the true world ruler, dismissing all other pretenders with a wave of the hand and inviting people from all over the world to come and find new life. Jesus is not a tourist attraction. We don't have to point and say, oh, I think he might be over there. He is in charge. He is ruling and his kingdom, his rule, his reign is breaking through. And it's something we can see. And it's something we can hear. It's an action verb. It's at work. It is the king walking among his people. That is when the kingdom is at work, when we are experiencing what it's like to walk with the king. Jesus' ethic here is as follows. The kingdom of God is here right now and active. He wants you to know, take heart, God's kingdom is here. His ethic is that the kingdom of God's rule is demonstrated in the lives of his people. That's all of us. I want to see the kingdom of God at work. Please, I'm begging you, let him be at work. Let him rule in your life that my faith might be encouraged, that we can encourage one another. That is how I get to see the kingdom. Jesus says that we can see the kingdom and we can hear it when we see the power of God demonstrated through miracles, through signs, through wonders, through righteousness, through justice, through rescue, through resurrection and salvation, witnessing God's raw power. That's when we see the kingdom. This is Jesus' ethic. He says we see the kingdom when we see Jesus in action. You want to see the kingdom? Watch me cast out these demons. Kingdom of God's here. You want to see the kingdom? 
be healed. The kingdom of God is here. You want to see the kingdom? Poor people come in. Marginalized people come in. People dismissed come close. The kingdom of God is here. We see the kingdom through the spirit-led work of his followers. And the kingdom is already here, already clashing with the nations. The battle is already started, but we know how it ends. Where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom in a week and weeks like this? Where is the kingdom? Jesus says in Luke, it is within you. Luke chapter 17, verse 21. The kingdom of God is within us. The Greek there is plural, by the way. It's within all y'all. So it's not just you by yourself that you've got to go, okay, I'm going to muster up a little kingdom inside today. Let's just try to make that. It's within us as his followers. You want to know where the kingdom is here? It's here. Where is the kingdom? Here. Right here, right now, right here. That's the kingdom. And isn't it great that it's not a proper noun? It's not a place we have to travel and get to. It's here within us, within our midst, by the power of God, by the power of Jesus Christ, bringing us together, having us work together. You want to know what our five values are here at Spark? Love, reputation, reconciliation, rescue, resurrection. Amen. It's here. Love of God. Let's build the reputation of Jesus in our community. Let's redeem that reputation. Let's see reconciliation here so we can see kingdom here. Let's see rescue. Human trafficking victims, people from poverty, people on substance abuse, people who are lacking education, running water. Let's bring rescue and let's bring this new life that Jesus offers us. The kingdom of God is not a ticket to a heavenly amusement park. It is the summons to the service of a great king. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, come on in and serve. Ah, there it is. Where's the kingdom? There it is. There it is. It's within us, within our midst. Jesus tells his followers in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, as he's going through the Sermon on the Mount, it's wonderful, you should go and read it. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And in that section, in that whole portion of Matthew, of that Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes at the very beginning, he describes what a person looks like who is in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This, you want to know who's in the kingdom? Read the Beatitudes. Jesus is describing the kingdom. This is good news. You don't have to wait to go there. I don't have to wait to go there. It's within us. And here at Spark, it is our deep prayer that this community naturally and organically grow. We don't do a lot of advertising, like ever, hardly any. Um, We simply want this community to be a place where people can point and say, there it is. There it is. 
the rule and reign of God breaking through and in the midst of some darkness of a week. There it is. By his grace alone, by his power alone, by nothing that we are doing, simply because he is king and he walks amongst us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we desperately want to be in your kingdom. We know that the places that we create, our own rules and our own regulations, are places that we don't want to live anymore. And so, Jesus, today we beg of you to continue to walk amongst us, to show us what it's like to see your power on display, to experience your rule, your reign, your deliverance, and your rescue breaking in, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, while the nations conspire against you, while we see suffering and hurt and pain, we desperately cry out, break in your kingdom in us and through us. Let us build it here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.